0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: Good morning again, guys. Okay, we're going to dig back into it because we've got a full, full plate today. um, As we go back into our study, if you've not been with us, We are currently in a study on the gifts of the Spirit, uh, predominantly on the team, spiritual gifts. And we're going through them two a week, looking at not just the description, but them in action, as far as how we see them in people that are gifted within the testimonies of the Scripture. And so we can see how that plays out in our life today as well. And we are going through all these, and then... Uh, and after next Sunday, we'll be doing spiritual gift assessments. We purposely did not want to get into those too early, because we want all of us to understand how all the gifts work before we know our individual gifts. So we see how we work together. Uh, so we will have a week of uh, assessments, and then we will have a week that again just kind of keep on hitting over and over again. Two weeks from today is the day that will be in house. That if you can be in house, you'll want to be in house. It won't necessarily transpose really well on the uh, internet or for the live stream, um, but it would be much better done as we're doing them in groups here together. So please make sure that you're here for that day as well. So here's where we've been so far. We've gone through four gifts. We have talked about the evangelist, the one that takes and fills the need of people needing to know the gospel, needing to know that we need Christ. We have talked about the prophet, which tends to be pretty black and white when it comes to sin in our lives, points out sin in our lives so that we can root those things out, submit those to the Lord so that we have freedom in those areas. We have talked about the teacher, the one that comes in and shares God's word into those situations so that we have uh, what we need to fill those spots with the sin gone, and then also the exhorter, the one who comes in and says, okay, here's the information, but now this is how you apply it to your life. more the partner, the more the one that goes one on one with you. Today we're going to move into two more. Uh, we will be talking about let's see, the shepherd and the so Shower, shower, uh, Show shower. Show, show, show. It sounds weird today. her. Anyways, um, uh, should have been here earlier. They could Like Amy was praying about it, and it was like, and, you, and Beaver Tom's. Um, she didn't even know what to call it. Speech is what Amy went with. Dear Lordy, dear Lordy. <laughs> so let's get into it. The shepherd we're going to be looking at is Timothy. If you're not familiar with Timothy, we're going to talk about him a little bit today. But I think he's a great example within this. Uh, I did put an extra verse there for you if you want to write it down for our note takers. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'm not going to make you go through it right now. Uh, read it later, please. Uh, we have covered it a couple of times over doing our spiritual gifts because it's one of the three main sections in the new testament about spiritual gifts but this is where paul starts out by telling us that god has given us different people with different spiritual gifts to the church he has given some to be apostles he's given some to be prophets he's given some to be um those that are should taken uh teachers those that have these different roles so that when we do come together collectively, because, it's again, it's important that we're together in local body church community, uh, that they do their roles to be able to help one another so that we build each other up and are able to do the mission both for the saints and also for those that are lost in the world. In that list, there's also a listed shepherds, depending on what translation you're using. Some translations will uh, take that word as poem, uh, poiman, P-O-I-M-A-N, uh, translates to pastor and also translates to shepherd, so some of, some of your translations will have pastor there. It's really not that big of a deal. I personally like shepherd because there is a difference between being a shepherd and being a pastor. A pastor is a calling, it's a role that you have. A shepherd um, is a spiritual gift. Now, to be a pastor, you pretty much almost need to have shepherding in there someplace or else you're not going to be a very good pastor. That, that's, that's a given. But not everybody who's a shepherd is automatically called to be a pastor. It's kind of like the evangelist thing. We all evangelize. We all evangelize. We all tell people about Jesus and lead people to Jesus. But those that have the spiritual capacity of evangelism, it's, just, it's a different lens. It's a different capacity that the spirit grows us in. Same thing kind of with the shepherd and the pastoring. So we're going to be looking at shepherding even if T- Timothy kind of happens to be a pastor. He does happen to use that within that role. So uh, a little bit about Timothy, just so you have some background on him. He's a younger guy. He's probably one generation behind Paul, uh, if not maybe, maybe two generations behind Paul. Um, And we'll we'll kind of explain that. There's different theories on what age he would be, which we'll get into. But um, for me, there's definitely a generational difference between The two and so Timothy was from Lysteria, L Y S T R A. For those who like facts, Uh, he's raised by his parents. He had mom and a dad and a grandmother who's very active in his life. Uh, You won't find his dad in there a lot. His dad, from what we know of church history and of uh, church tradition, was uh, a Greek, and his mom was Jewish. Uh, And his mom became what we call today a messianic Jew, which is someone holds on the Jewish tradition, but has accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives and have brought the new, new covenant into their lives. Uh, his mom accepted Jesus. Grandma accepted Jesus. We do not believe that dad did. And so dad, I don't know if he was a bad dad. I can't say he was a bad dad at all, but he didn't really fill the spiritual dad role within the life of Timothy. And so a lot of times when you hear about Paul and Timothy, Paul is a spiritual father. To Timothy, so that's one of the reasons why we know it was at least a generation, if not two. But his mom and his grandmother both were very involved in his life, very much raised him uh, in in the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, uh, we'll get Second Timothy 3:15 up here for you. One of the reasons why Timothy stood out to Paul is uh, he just was really taken by him. He says, "From childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which you are able to make you wise for salvation through faith." In Christ Jesus, so he has a rich history of teaching, from both a uh, mom and uh, his, his grandmother. And I, unfortunately, uh, I think that happens too often, where dads aren't necessarily stepping up into the role that God calls us to, uh, within, in our lives. But the, one of the things I love about God is He always provides. He always provides. In the Timothy's case, that ended up being Paul. Um, so uh, he ended up walking with him quite a bit. And doing ministry, one of the main roles that Timothy had is he would go to Paul to a, a place and Paul would lead people to the Lord and he would set up the church and he set up the foundation and say, Timothy, good luck. And then Paul would go on and do his because he's more evangelistic in nature. But Timothy is a shepherd. He's a caregiver. He leads the, the, the folks. So he's been uh, in Bria, Corinth, Rome, Ephesus, and Macedonia at the least. Those are the ones I'll mention in the scripture where he was a sh- shepherd to different flocks. And the reason I want to kind of give you all those facts to lay a foundation is because, like, not like the others. The others we've been kind of looking at a moment in their life, like read a little, talk a little, and see them in action. We don't really have that with Timothy as much, but we do have the instructions Paul gave Timothy that lets us know a lot more about being a shepherd. That's 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, are two letters that Paul wrote him on how to shepherd, and that's what we're going to lean into today. So if you would, let's go ahead and go to 1 Timothy 4. And we're going to see Timothy through Paul's eyes, I believe, with a little bit of uh, educated biblical imagination. We'll make sure everything's biblically based, but since we don't have that, um, what would you call that, first, first sight information, we are going to look at what Paul wrote to Timothy to see what he has. Again, there's uh, baskets around the room underneath the chairs with Bibles in them if you need one or want to take one. And New version is up and running this week, so Brent can't tell me that it's not running like last week. Hey, Brent, I might have set it up for Saturday instead of Sunday last week. So if you were here early, show up, mister. Okay, <laughs> poor guy. But we're going to start out in verse 1, and we're going to read three sections. And th- th- it's, uh, it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. And I, I think there's a reason for that when you look at Paul's spiritual gift in Timothy's. So anyways, in the first 1. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter days, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, and the teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consequences are, consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth, for everything created by uh, God is good, and nothing is to be re- rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the Word. Of God why does he have this particular chapter start this way not that he wrote in chapters but what why is this coming first out of the three blocks we're going to read because Timothy's a shepherd a shepherd is just like we imagined it to be with the metaphor he cares about the sheep he leads the sheep he will sacrifice for the sheep he protects the sheep. He, his heart is filled for the sheep. that's what a shepherd is he loves the people that God has charged him with and so at the beginning, Paul says this: You need to know this. Protect your heart a little bit, because there's going to be people who walk away. And one of the hardest things I had to learn and still struggle with today is when people walk away. You love them, you have a relationship with them. I, it, it, it can be so painful. I remember one pastor at a uh, pastor conference saying, "When you're uh, doing a baby dedication, when you're celebrating that marriage, when you're doing baptisms, keep in the back of your mind: This person might walk away from me someday." They might, might turn, turn their back on me. They might backstab me someday. And I thought, man, it's a very jaded way to live. And I still believe that to be true. But I do understand Paul's warning here. Timothy, you've got to know, no matter what you do, not everybody's going to follow. And it's not that they're not following you. It's that they're not following you because they're no longer following the Lord. And you need to know that. Those days are coming, and those days are here, and we know that they're here. Will people embrace the worldly thinking instead of God's thinking. And walk away from those who are following the Lord. It's just a fact. It's something you have to protect yourself with. When I was doing nursing home ministries for, uh, it was eight years before the pandemic hit. One, one of the things that, that actually helped me in this area was to learn how to do nursing home ministry. Because you have these friends that you love dearly, that you see weekly, that you're laughing with and joking with. But yet your friends, And when you're teaching at four different nursing homes, you have friends pass away weekly, bi-weekly, once a month at least. How do, how do I protect my heart from that, knowing that I'm also the last minister they're ever going to have? I'm one of the last friends they're going to have. You, you, there, there's a knowledge that's there that I only have what's inside my control. And what's inside my control, I'm going to pull out. I'm going to pull out. And that's what shepherds do. But they do need to know up front that there's also pain that comes with it. Now, as he continues into it in verse 6, Oh, by the way, congratulations if you happen to be a shepherd. Um, that's, the, that, that's the hard news, and it is part of the, the, the growing in that capacity. But in verse 6, he, he switches a little bit to talk to uh, Timothy about what's in his control. What's in your control, Timothy? He says, If you put these things before the brothers or the sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Be trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with, with irreverent, silly myths, the things of the world. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While uh, body training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have all hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is where it starts becoming talk full of nuts. This is when all of a sudden his paragraph is like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. But Timothy, here's what's in your control. Not whether or not they walk away, but here's what's in your control. And he gives you just thing after thing after thing. Put these things before you, brothers and sisters. Be, you be a good servant if you do. Be trained up. Uh, pass it on. This is with the teaching skills of the shepherd. Uh, reject myths, train yourself, that's an action word, I'm choosing to train myself up within my, not just my body, but my spiritual, and Timothy did have health issues, and he was saying that's good to to take a look on these body issues, I actually gave him advice in another letter, but the spiritual is what matters, that would be forever toil, Strive. Our hope is in God. This is trustworthy. This is full acceptance. It's just bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. And it's almost like Paul just got really excited for a second, like the monster drink just kind of kicked in, and he's just like writing these things out like he can't, he can't control himself anymore. I can tell he's the monster drinker in the room by the reaction to that, by the way. Uh, but, but the thing that's interesting to me, if you see how the gifts work together, with him being an evangelist and a mentor, and he's writing to Timothy, it, it appears that there's an excitement to him writing to Timothy. These are the things that matter, Timothy. This is how you shepherd me and this is how you make a difference. This is trustworthy. This is sure. And he, he's putting it out there and it's and I think for some of us, it'd be like, Okay, slow down, Jack. We got okay, I want to think this one through, I wanna think this one through, I wanna think this one through. I don't think Timothy was doing that at all. Timothy is a shepherd, who says, Give me more, give me more. This is it, this is it, this is it. Hold on, mom. Come on. Come on, she's throwing stuff in the middle of things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I'm glad we corrected that. Yes, First Timothy. Hey, go to Third Timothy 6. Go to 3 Tim- Timothy 6. I'll get that rectified for you. Uh, <laughs> I was kidding. No, okay, First Timothy 4. Oh my gosh. Don't you wish you had a pastor that cared about details? Yeah, I, Many of you do. Many of you pray for it nightly. I get it. I get it. First Timothy 4. Okay, so, so I think Timothy's taking them in left and right as fast as he can get them. Tell me more. That's how a shepherd reads this text, I believe. If you're a shepherd, I believe you read this text of like, this is good stuff. This is what I needed because I've been struggling so hard. And then it seems that, and again, this is just my impression of it, it seems that Paul branches out into talking um, not about what's within him, but the others aspect of things, what he can do to impact these others. Verse 11, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set for uh, for the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and a purity. Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, the exhortation, and the teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given uh, you by the prophecy when the Council of Elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. This is good for everybody. I don't care if you're a shepherd or not. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and you will save your hearers, the people that watch you, the people that listen to you, the people that are in your life. Once again, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, and I think Timothy's sucking it in like a sponge in the water. Um, To others, command to teach these things. Don't let any excuse keep you from being a shepherd. Don't let your age matter. Um, There were those, my best guesstimation, but again, this is a Tom thing. It's not a scripture thing, so keep it if you want. Throw it away if you want. Uh, my best guess is Timothy, is about 30 years old. From everything I've read, everything that I've uh, dug into, that, that seems to make the most sense to me, and that Paul is more than likely somewhere in my age bracket, which is in the 50s and 55s. Now, we have to think out a little bit differently in their culture because 50 or 55 back then are like the 80s and 90s of today. Okay, So we, they didn't live as long as we do. So, there's a little bit more of a, a, a time crunch within this. But uh, even today, if you're a minister at the age 30, and I remember being in that block of things, and I was in a more traditional uh, church setting at that time, trust me, everybody looks at you like you're young. Oh, that's so cute. I like that so much. That was cute. You'll learn things, but that's okay. That's cute. Uh, I didn't learn nothing. I'm still up here. So, anyways. Uh, <laughs> But but in his context, that was the struggle he's having, is he's trying to do this ministry, and everybody came out to see Paul because Paul's so famous, and then Timothy's left, and they're like, what's this kid know? Don't let any excuse keep you from being who Christ uh, created you to be, who God has commanded you to be through the Holy Spirit, through your spiritual gifts, do your gifting, move forward, because everything else is in his hands, not not yours. He throws that out in here. And then there comes a scripture. Uh, verse 12, in 1 Timothy 4, just making sure. Say, I got it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, as everybody's like turning backwards all of a sudden and looking less confused. Um, this scripture here, let no one despise you for your youth, but send the, um, the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and their purity. I remember when I was probably about a freshman. Uh, so what, what is that, about 14, 13, 14, some of that range? Uh, for those that are closer to it, the um, I had a friend in my church. Her name was Renee, and she had all kinds of health issues. And she was a few years older than I was. She was a senior, and, um, and she passed away. And I remember being at the funeral at our church, and in the bulletin, it had some different things in there. One of them was Renee's favorite scripture, and it was this verse 12. And I remember being taken by by that. I I, I think her, her testimony kind of impact me in that moment. And you start thinking about, what kind of example am? am I being in these key areas of how I talk and what I say about people? Uh, am I conduct, how I treat people? If I'm loving or not? Am, am I living by faith? Am I living in purity? Do those, the, the, how much those things matter? Uh, or else your spiritual gift really doesn't have the capacity that it needs because if you're living as a hypocrite, no one cares. And it probably took me another three years, four years, before I caught what it said right before that. Because I always just assume, set an example, that means usually for who? The lost. Why? So they have a reason to listen to what I say about the gospel. So I lead people to the Lord. That's not what Paul told the shepherd. He said, set an example for who? The believers. For the believers. A shepherd is shepherding Christians. A shepherd is taking and being the example and how to lead. And this is why he's talking to him specifically about those within the church. He continues on. Devote yourself to the scripture. If you're a shepherd and you're not following the scripture, what a waste of time. Uh, devote yourself to exhortation. If you're not lifting other people up and showing them how to live the word of God, what's, what's the point? Practice and mold yourself into these things so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself. Persist to save yourself and your hearers. This is what it looks like to live as a shepherd. If you find as we get into it later, because remember, we pretend like we, we've never taken assessments before. That you're in the shepherd end of things. That, again, could be anything from being a Sunday school teacher to a Boy, boy Scout troop leader to being a pastor. The First Timothy, Second Timothy, wonderful, wonderful instructions for you as shepherds. Okay, so we got to out sheets. I keep thinking about putting bolts in, but I like this much better. Um, let's see. Ginger's done her time. Katie's done her time. Hey, Brett. Brett. Um, Let's get you a Neil. let's get the sexy people up here. <clears throat> a little slow moving there, Neil. Is that re- resistance or your body? No, it's my body. It's your body. You get that sign? You get that sign. Thank you. Okay, this is when they start kind of handing out Nobody thinks this is a great time to chat about lunch. So go ahead, get out of the way. Goofy, goofy, goofy people. Neil, Brent's almost done, buddy. Hey, what can I say? He's had more experience. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't here yesterday practicing. Was he? No. (laughs) Okay, so while they're passing out, let me give our note takers some things about shepherding so that you have them up on the screen. Again, as we shared before, not every uh, shepherd gift means you need to be a pastor. However, it is, I really do believe, needed within the role of the pastor. Different kinds of pastors, different personalities, different environments that's all good and well uh, but shepherding has to be in there somewhere with that that mix of things um, and I, I would be willing to bet many of us who've been hurt by a church or a pastor before know what I'm talking about because they've had a pastor who didn't know how to shepherd uh, or do have a heart to shepherds lead feed guard protect and oversee flocks you might have a flock of two you could have a flock of 500 doesn't matter Lead, feed, guard, protect, and oversee. The lens is the care for the sheep. We talked about this with every gift. You have a lens with the gift. That's how you see things. When you're looking around the church or looking around the group that you're responsible for, you're looking for what they need. That's just how you see things. Um, The shepherd dabbles in all gifts. Now, this is not something we've seen before, but it is uh, tend to be true. True that shepherds tend to have a little bit of everything somewhere within their mix, as far as everything from mercy showing to prophecy. Um, But that does not make them a jack-of-all-trades and master of none. It makes them a jack-of-all-trades and a master of shepherding. But you can't shepherd well without the other gifts being used, either within themselves, which is a lot of times where we see it, or with the team around them that has those gifts as well. Shepherds must also have a teaching gift, Again, shepherding is a teaching gift in and of itself, but we always uh, usually see it uh, matched up with others. If you're going to shepherd others, you have to be able to care for it, to teach, and to feed. And then they also, and this is always important to remember, they're under-shepherds, are not shepherds per se. We have one shepherd, Jesus Christ, period. But in Jesus' day, there was a shepherd that owned the flocks, and they had under-shepherds who worked with them, that took care of different sections of the flock, and they were accountable to the shepherd. That's how... Christ uses that metaphor in our lives. I am an under shepherd. There is no reason in heaven or hell to follow Tom Hypes if I'm not following Jesus. So, so with those things, I can say uh, if you're a shepherd, you have the spirit giving capacity and desire to serve God by overseeing, training, and caring for the needs of the group. Luke 10. Okay, double check me. Is it good? Luke 10. You're not? I'm not? No. For the Good Samaritan. See how it says Good Samaritan on there? Do I have it right? Duke 10? Hey, if I'm 50%, I'm doing pretty good Sunday, I'm thinking. Let's talk about the, being a mercy shower. Those are have the spiritual gift of being a mercy shower. Uh, one of the best examples we can look at here, but certainly not the only one, is on the Good Samaritan. Um, it's called the Parable of the Good Samaritan. I really don't have any reason to say it's not a parable, except for that the only thing in my Bible that says it's a parable is the little headlines that they added later. There's times I wonder if this actually was a uh, true story that Jesus knew about uh, and threw, threw in or not. I'm not sure. I haven't studied that enough to say that outside of my own personal career. I want it to be a true story, if that matters at all, because I, I, I really think that God does it. Oh, Jesus did that a few times in his ministry. But nonetheless, Jesus is in a conversation, and the Samaritans are going to come up. We've talked about this many times before. I want to give you a few more details on Samaritans, uh, just so that we're growing, because we always say, okay, Samaritans, we know that's the half-Jewish, half-Gentile, right? Uh, I kept calling them muggles, (laughs) but they're not muggles, because muggles are are humans, right? Someone corrected me. Huh? Right, who's... Uh, Hermione, her p- parents are both, wasn't it? No, Muggle. Okay. Mud blood. They're the mud bloods of the Jewish world. Um, they. <coughs> um, so they're ha- half Jewish, half Gentile. This comes from, you can do the history search of this with the. The Jewish people moving, some staying, other nations coming in, they interbred. Um, and so pure Jewish people didn't really like Samaritans that much. Samaritans didn't like Jewish that much. And we always talked about how the Jews liked to avoid the Samaritans as much as possible. On this outer road, that would take them from the Galilee to the Judea side of things. Um, we usually stopped there. It really was much worse than that. I mean, Samaritans, the Jews just hated each other. Uh, they would spread horrible reports about one another. Um, the Samaritans, if it tells you kind of why the, 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 the pure-blood Jewish uh, didn't like Samaritans besides being um, half and half, um, the, the Samaritans claimed that they were the true children of God and the Jews were not. So that aggravated them even more so. Uh, the Samaritans claimed the first the five books of the Bible uh, as their Bible and everything after Joshua they decided it was fiction, which drove the Jews nuts. Because everything after Joshua is what they were really building, their were the children of God stuff off of. They even changed the Ten Commandments, the Samaritans did, so that the Ten Commandments said you can only worship God on top of this one mount that was in Samaria. And that the, that the Jewish synagogue was, was crap because the Ten Commandments say you have to worship here which was never in the original Ten Commandments. There's a lot of animosity between the two to the point that the Jews came and destroyed their temple on that mount because of the lie and because they hated it so much. The so Samaritans hated them so much that when people did take this road out here, most of the time Samaritans would push themselves to different places to make fun of the Jews and cuss at them and treat them like crap, and a lot of times it would turn into bloodshed. And I think if we understand that aspect of things a little bit more, we start to understand what this l- Jewish lawyer is struggling so much with Jesus' story about what happened on this road between good Jewish people and a Samaritan. Okay, so with that, we'll, uh, we'll read and go through. Verse 25. Behold, a lawyer stood up to, uh, to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? This is a very Jewish rabbi way of answering a question. A lot of times they ask, they ask this question to draw from, from a student. These things. He goes, well, what, what do you see? What, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you don't recognize this, this is the, all the two top commandments according to Jesus himself. In the section, these are the two, the two that all the law is accomplished in. So Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. <coughs> and if the guy stopped there, he would have had a better day. 29. But the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said, who is my neighbor? When you're in this boat, uh, you know that you're, you're already slipping and sliding into a mess. When you're like, okay, that's all great and good, but Who's actually my neighbor? Because obviously, like, my family's my neighbors. I love my families. These, these people around me, my neighbors, my neighbors, my neighbors. Yeah, I like them, everything else. But certainly you don't mean those people or those people or those people. Certainly you don't mean this. We water down God's commandments to get into our comfort zone, and that's not what they are designed to do in any way, shape, or form. Okay? So he's trying to justify himself. So Jesus replied with a story. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. For those who know this story, we already know that all three characters that have been introduced so far are Jewish. It's a Jewish man on his pilgrimage going down that road the a lot of times Samaritans make fun of him. He gets jumped, he gets beaten, he gets robbed, he gets all of his clothes stripped off of him. He's left on the side of the road to die. The first person that comes along is a priest, Jewish man, has nothing to do with him, goes by on the other side of the road. Why? Because their church tradition had gotten to a point that if he touched the man, and God forbid he be dead, he is dirty and he has to go through ritual processes to be able to go back to being a clean Jew. If he's okay, but he's bloody and he gets blood on him, he's dirty, he has to go through ritual processes to be clean again. If their church tradition had taken the law that God had given us and shaped it in such a way, remember I talked about uh, they built walls around sin so that you couldn't even get to the sin type thing, so they were trying to protect you from it. One of the walls were, if you're a clean Jew and your shadow touches a dead carcass with someone who's bloody, you are dirty. So that way, you're not even coming anywhere close. So the other side partially is avoiding the situation, but also I can't even let my shadow touch this guy because the tradition was ruling over God's love. Everybody together? So he keeps on going. Second guy, same thing Levite, which means he's uh, the priestly order from from the days of Moses. Passes, keeps on going. But, here's that fun word. Verse 33 A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And I don't know if you like to underline in your Bible, but if you want to underline anything there, it's. but he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured on oil and wine, then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii din- and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This is a mercy shower. This is what that gift looks like the lawyer would be absolutely flabbergasted that the pastor today is using a Samaritan as an example of a spiritual gift as much as he was in this moment when he wanted nothing to do with Jesus' story anymore. Matter of fact, right after this, if you look, Jesus asked him, which one was the one showing the mercy? He was loving the neighbor. The guy couldn't even say the Samaritan. Well, I guess the one to show compassion. You're right, go and do likewise. The mercy shower is just you cannot help yourself. He does not know... (laughs) How this Jew would treat him if he if it was any other day. That's laying on the side of the road. No idea. He's spent his life with prejudice coming down on him from those that are of, of, of his kind. Now some people have said, I've seen that some people try to make an argument that, um, well, because he's so beaten and because he doesn't have clothes on, him, he doesn't know if he's a Samaritan or not. I think that's crap. The only people who walk on this road are Jewish people trying to avoid Samaritans. Um, but. Best case scenario, but I, I highly doubt it. I think he actually knew he was a Jew. He absolutely went over, did not worry about church tradition, absolutely went over to do what God would call him to do in spirit and the truth, absolutely had compassion. And compassion happens in tangible ways, especially for the Mercy Show. It should happen to all of us. It's one thing to feel a little bit of compassion. It's another to take an act in compassion. The Mercy Show acted in compassion. He bandaged him. Uh, He he went to him even though he didn't know if the robbers were still around or not. Uh, He took and put oil and wine, his own resources, which was used for medical purposes at that time as well as for the other purposes. He gave up his donkey and his resources. And if we're not sacrificing when we're showing mercy, then maybe we're not really showing mercy. Um, He took him to the inn, which means... He could only do so much on the road, and he needed to get someone else enlisted to to, to be part of the situation, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, Took him to the inn. He paid for what the man needed. He told the guy that if it costs more, I'll come back, and I'm, I'm coming back, and I'm going to pay you more. This is needed because innkeepers were not exactly trustworthy at the time. So as far as he knew, the innkeeper would just kind of take and say, thanks for the two, and then, like, kick the guy out on the street. I'm coming back. I'm going to make sure this guy's taken care of, and I'm going to be you for anything that you need. I'm in. I'm in on this. I'm ready to sacrifice for myself within this and make sure that he's coming back. That's a mercy shower. That's how they see things. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It's going to be all about taking care of that person. Does it make sense? Neil, I think you can take him this time. <laughs> Ugh. There was one time I was in the car, in case my father's listening. Thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. I want to give him a head start. Get your head start. <laughs> your head start. Um, my dad and I, my dad was up here. and We went over to the Chinese buffet. And I remember he was driving, I was in the passenger seat. And we both got out of the car at the same time. And as we got out of the car, we both made three grunting noises. The exact same grunting noises at the exact same time. So... I know he's, he and I are in tune with one another. Someone immediately came up through me on a donkey and took me to the inn. Hi, honey. Now what? Yeah, I'm getting a little dry. Thank you, honey. So with that, since you got the sheets, let's put the notes up and we'll go through some of these. Someone has a, is a mercy show where they enter into sympathy and joy with others. It's not just that they feel it. Thank you, Brent. Thank you, Neil. Not just that they feel it. They enter into it. They make it a part of themselves. Um, they're the first one there with a the mill or a card. The going through a tough time. They're forced to jump with joy with you. You get a promotion, go find a mercy show because they will celebrate like mad. Uh, they're not usually teaching because they tend to be soft-spoken. Monica just found out she's out. (coughs) Um, Sometimes they're viewed as a compromiser, but they're not a compromiser. They have have very strong beliefs, very strong principles, but they're really good at meeting people where they're at. Um, That's another thing that is, for instance, with pastoral counseling, when I'm meeting with somebody, I'm not usually starting out with, you have to be perfect. My goal is to meet you where you're at, and then how do we start working together to, to bridge into that gap? Um, so, And that, that's part of uh, the, the Morsi show, meeting people where, where they're at, but not leaving them there, but being able to, to lead with compassion. Um, they're usually full of prayer requests because they're carrying everybody. Uh, they're usually a good one if you're sitting in a small group and you guys tend to take prayer requests and that type of thing. Uh, give them a journal, they'll, they'll be on it. Um, they should either take a counseling course or, be, or learn to be a bridge. Uh, this is another thing that also kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with pastoral counseling. Uh, a mercy person is going to be enter into it, and they're going to fix it. They don't necessarily always have the skills to be able to fix it. So depending on how God calls you, you might want to go into uh, to get some counseling courses, to learn some skills and some trades, to grow within that capacity of that spiritual gift, or learn how to bridge them to somebody else there's many, many times that I meet with people and I'm not really who they need to be meeting with. Uh, Sometimes I am as a pastor. Sometimes uh, I I realize I am not a professional counselor. I don't have that training. So I meet them where they're at, love on them, hear them, talk about a few things, and then as I gain that, that rapport, then I'm able to take and lead them to a counselor that I trust because unfortunately most of you guys have ever dealt with counseling, some counselors are great, some are not all that great, um, that I trust so that they can take them to that next road. Most shows need to know how to be part of that process instead of trying to make people codependent on, themselves, on, on them, uh, which, which is bad. Uh, and then they need strong boundaries because you're gonna to wanna to say yes to every teardrop and every smile and you just will not have anything left. So some things within that as well. So if you're a mercy shower, you have the spirit-giving capacity and desire to serve God by identifying with and comforting those who are in distress. Those are our two gifts for th- this particular week. Next week, we've got three, so bring a packed lunch, because uh, we're going to dig in deep into that as we get ca- cover those last three. But think about where we've been, even with the gifts we have. My, my hope and my prayer is that you're starting to see, even within the biblical testimonies, how these work together, how these are needed together, and more importantly, how you're needed in that togetherness with your spiritual gifts and what God's calling you to be, to continue growing, to continue being open, and to continue being part of that community. Uh, As part of that community, and we've already seen some of these things coming together as we talk, uh, we get to celebrate some baptisms today, which I'm excited about. Um, as again, there's no, well, I won't go back into that, but um, as we see people coming to which I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for, for, for Justin and for Melinda and for Adam and to be a part of this, I'm always humbled to be a part of this. Um, that it's a, a perfect time to once again remember how the team ministry works. Somewhere, some way, someone in their lives have led them to the Lord. Now, as they accepted Jesus as leader and forgave their lives, and they're following him in faithfulness in the baptism, how as a church community we can commit ourselves into bringing prophets into the world in their lives that say, this is what God has for you. This is a foolish myth. This is what God has for you. This is what's holding you in bondage. So that we can point those things out and root them out. That we can bring teachers into our lives so that we can be into the word of God and learn that scripture and learn what God's heart is. And predominantly what God's heart is. And then have exhortation come into our lives. So how do we do this in our lives? We start seeing these things, start rolling. When things get tough, we have the most shows. When we, we, we feel alone or we feel like we don't fit in. We're a church of misfits, baby. We're a church of misfits. And that's why we need to shepherd one, one another and be able to be together as a flock. So I'm excited about today because I think this is a great opportunity to be able to, to celebrate Christ for the gifts he's given us and how he calls us to it.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherds Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.